Good evening on a Friday. This is Evan Kelly with Under Review. Got a lot of good stuff for you. We thought we were going to have to start um, stretching for some stories, but uh, we came up with a list, and here you go. We've got some great stuff. We're going to talk um, some college football, some NBA, some pro football, uh, schedule release, talk about my thoughts on that. Um, a couple other things. Uh, I think we're getting close to the end here. I think we're starting to get back to real life, I think. I think we're we're getting to the point we did a great job and I think we're being rewarded and I, uh sports will be back soon. So uh stay positive and uh let's keep getting through this and um you know we're going to keep trying to give all we can during this uh pandemic and uh I'm glad you're listening. We hope you continue to listen after. So um, I'm going to start out here by talking about some NBA stuff. You ever have that person, maybe it was a crush, maybe an ex, maybe an old boss at an old company or, or an old friend, that something happened with them and, you know, you didn't see them. Uh, the, you know, you and your ex, you, you guys broke up or, you know, the, the girl broke your heart or rejected you or uh, you got fired from the job, didn't get it. Uh, friends went separate ways. And you're having a hard time getting over that person and, and seeing your new, seeing the new stuff, right? But then you don't see them for a while. You don't see, you know, you don't see them walking down the hallway. You don't see, you, you don't drive by that company. You're all right. You're going, ah, well, this is way better. What I got now, my life now is way better. It's way better at that point. And you start to do it because you haven't seen them, you haven't heard them, you haven't spoken to them. You've been able to focus on all the negative. And so you think it's easy. But, when, but once you see them again, once, you're, once you f- are forced to see them again, it might not be so easy. This is exactly what the media is doing to LeBron James. The last dance has been on for the last three or so weeks. I've heard it's a great documentary. But what it's causing us to do is taking this already sensitive and difficult debate. And we're making it even worse. Because LeBron can't play. The NBA is not happening. I think it'll be back soon. But the NBA is not happening. So now the spotlight is all in on Michael Jordan for this thing to make Jordan look like the good guy and Isaiah Thomas and the Pistons the bad guy. That's just how film works. So we're watching LeBron this season and we're going, wow. Man, he's really kicked it up to a new gear. You know, last year was a sputter. It's some issues last year, but, uh, you know, this is it. Uh, he, you know, he's back. Then the season gets cut off. So now all of these people that, you know, the LeBron haters, that now we are solely convinced that Michael Jordan is the best, and some are saying they're not even in the same class. Now, I'm not here to argue who's the GOAT of basketball. I'm not, because we may have that one for another day, but I'm not sharing my opinion on that right now. But stop pretending that they're not, stop trying to compare them, and stop pretending they're not in the same class. They are the two best basketball players to ever play, and there's no one else in that class. The late, great Kobe Bryant, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, all so many amazing players. They're not Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Another reason it's unfair to compare is because they come from two completely different places. You know, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan had an okay home life. It was not, you know, it was okay. Went to, got to go to high school, was doing good, you know, he, he was able to go to like AAU, and so that was, you know, that was positive for Michael. But he did not have the height and the athleticism until he got older, and he had to really work at it. So he was work, 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 and then the talent came because of his work, and he became, you know, the first all-time great. The first that everybody went, yeah, that's the best right there. Then this kid comes along who has all of the nat- – who could dunk when he was in eighth grade. All the natural size and talent in the world. But he had to figure out a way to maximize upon it because of how rough it was at home. 
he was homeless. His mom was never there. He, you know, he didn't, he, I don't think he'd think he ever knew his dad when he was a kid. But he capitalized it and did it. Michael Jordan went to one team and for most of it stayed in one team and had the same guys when he won the championships. Same core team. LeBron James, been to multiple teams, had a lot of different guys, a lot of different levels of players. Now, I'm not saying which one's better. But can we stop this ridiculous idea that, that, that LeBron is not in the same conversation because it's stupid. They are the two best basketball players of all time, and there's not a debate. Also, let's say that that company, you were hoping they were doing bad. You didn't see them for a while. And then you go, and that company is celebrating... You know, their, their, big, their big break. Or that girl comes back and she's just, she looks absolutely amazing. And now you're like, ugh. Man, did we make a mistake? Yeah. That's what's going to happen with LeBron. LeBron is going to come back. Imagine this. Imagine LeBron got to play one full season of NBA basketball and then got a two-month break and then got to go to the playoffs. Two to three-month break. He's going to be insane. You think he hasn't been working? You think he hasn't been training? This guy is going... He, he, he is going to be... I said this about Gronk. Gronk is going to come back after a full year off and he's going to have a great stretch of games. It's different for LeBron because LeBron hasn't been out for a year. LeBron's been out for two months and LeBron has been training every day knowing he's coming back. The Lakers might not even need Anthony Davis in the first round of the playoffs. And LeBron's not going to have rust on him. All these other players will, but LeBron James, rust and LeBron James don't go together. Ever. So, the Lakers, by the way, the worst thing this pandemic did, and maybe the last dance, the people it hurt most was the Los Angeles Clippers, who thought they were going to have it early. Lakers won the regular season, overall record. And now you've got the last dance lighting a fire under LeBron. And you've got the coronavirus giving him extra time and lighting a fire under LeBron. So now LeBron's looking at Kawhi and the Lakers and the Clippers uh, with the Lakers. And he's saying, you don't scare me. You know, he's, he's done being afraid of that team. He, he is going to single-handedly... He is going to single-handedly reclaim his throne when that, when that gets back. The king will be back on the throne. He is going to come... He is going to come back like Superman, and he is going to reclaim his throne. You ever seen the movie... Um, you ever seen the Thor movies? Thor goes off, gets banished, and his, bro- and his brother tries to, you know, all this. But he eventually comes home, and he reclaims the throne because he was always the rightful... King of Asgard. LeBron is going to come back and he is going to reclaim his throne and he is going to be the rightful king of the NBA. And it's not going to be close. Now, he could start to digress next year. I don't think so, but he could. But stop playing this game that, you know, oh, Jordan's so much better. It's not even. Shut up. We're just, we haven't seen LeBron play in a while. We're forgetting about it. The spotlight's on Jordan. The spotlight's meant to make Jordan look better. It's, trust me, you don't want to be caught on one of the, you don't want to have someone bring up a post about how LeBron was worthless and how he's not a top, you you don't want to be that guy when the NBA comes back. I promise you. I will come and I will apologize and tell you I'm completely wrong if he does not come back at a different level. But I'm not going to be. LeBron James is ready to do something amazing for Kobe, for the Lakers, for himself. He is going to do something unheard of this season. And it is at the expense of... Of all the other teams, thanks to The Last Dance and Hollywood giving Michael the spotlight and lighting a fire under LeBron. Uh, he, he's going to be, he, 
the king will be back. The king, the king will return. Return of the king. That's what this is. Return of the king. All right. NBA. I think it'll be back soon, guys. Don't worry about it. I think I think we're getting back. So um, I'm going to shift to this on the on the subject of comparing people. It's a good thing to do nowadays, I guess. I don't know. Um, I saw this. You know, I was sitting there thinking. Sitting there thinking about shows the other day. What do I want to do for the podcast? Sitting there. Going and then I I see uh, something from one of my favorite from one of the guys that looked up to the you know comparing Trevor Lawrence and Joe, and uh, Joe Burrow. I go, you know, I I agree that Trevor Lawrence is great, but you know I, I think he's a little overhyped. Then I started thinking uh, he may not be the best quarterback in his draft class next year. And lo and behold, I'm scrolling through later. I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see Mel Kiper Jr. It could by the end of the season it could be a 50-50 chance if it's Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. Part of me was like, well, I thought of that first. Part of me was like, okay, I'm glad that other people see this and it's being said. Justin Fields is just Okay, let me tell you who Justin Fields is. Justin Fields is Kyler Murray, 20 pounds heavier and 5 inches bigger. He runs in the four threes, uh, rumored. We'll say rumored, running the four threes. And I think Kyler's probably a little faster than that, but I'd say Justin's a little faster than that nowadays too. Um, I could also compare him to Cam, but a little faster and much more accurate. Justin Fields, uh, I watched some tape on him the other day. I've never seen someone with so much foot and lower body control at the college level. I mean, he always keeps his eyes disciplined and his feet are always ready to throw. And if at the one time they're not, he sets them very quickly and he fires. And that's why he only threw three interceptions all year. 51 total touchdowns, three interceptions. Some of that on a bum leg. Um, Trevor Lawrence has been the the prodigal son of the NFL for two years. Since he came out at Clemson, it was the number one pick in the 2021 draft. Trevor Lawrence, that's what it's been ever since he stepped on the field at Clemson. It's a lot of pressure to put on one guy, by the way. But also, when the media decides they're in love with a guy, they will completely go against some of their other uh, prospects and their other scouting and their other scouting choices on other prospects. So let me tell you who Trevor Lawrence is. And this is, by the way, this is you know, if you've listened to any other shows, you'll know this is not a knock. This is one of my favorite guys. Trevor Lawrence is Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, 6'6", 237. Trevor Lawrence, 6'6", 220. By the way, I think, I think Herbert put on a lot of muscle for the combine, put on a lot, of, um, a lot of weight so he could fill out his form more. So I think his playing weight in college was more about 220. Actually, it was. I can promise you that. So now let's look at Trevor Lawrence's stats at Clemson first two years. As a freshman, 3,200 yards, 30 touchdowns, 4 picks. That's a darn good year. That really is. 65% completion percentage. All right, now let's look at this year. This year was his step back. This year was the step back where we said, okay, you know, he, he had some, but we still, we still celebrated him by the end of the year. 3,600 yards, 36 touchdowns, 8 picks. That's still a good year, 65% completion. I'm not knocking that. But let's go to Justin Herbert. Let's look at his. Justin Herbert's down year, which was this year, in one last game, was 3,400 yards, 32 touchdowns, and 6 interceptions. 66% completion percentage. 
Yeah. They're not similar at all, huh? But Justin Herbert was being criticized every which way he went. His cerebral processing, which, by the way, means the, you know the ability to get from read to read and figure out. Um, yeah, you want to know why Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow and especially Tua, they all had that you know big strong mark because their first target is almost always open. Tua, he always had someone open. That makes you look better. I could not name you one player off of that Oregon offense for the past four years that Justin Herbert played with. Also, one has Dabo Sweeney. One had a guy for two years who called out his leadership and then did it again in the draft. That's a great coach. One plays at Clemson, which is far and away the best. That that is the ACC. The next best team in there record-wise was Louisville. That was not a good team. That was a mediocre team. I know because my mediocre team beat that mediocre team. Soundly. So, you know, you, you get to go through your first reads with better players than Oregon... And you have a better coaching staff, and you're playing equal competition in the Pac-12. And actually, I'd argue that uh, Pac-12's harder because of places like USC, which is a hard one. USC is always tough, but, but I think they're both even in play. But one of them is scaled to that same limit with surrounding cast, and one of them is consistently better with every position than the other players. He's played, Trevor Lawrence has played four big marquee games. Two against Alabama. One against LSU. And one against Ohio State. As you know, one against Alabama. I don't remember the other one. I don't remember the... uh, who they played in the in the first that year, but um, got creamed by LSU. Beat Alabama, which is fair, and then Ohio State. Still think they should have won it, but Clemson won. So he he does. I'm I'm not saying that Trevor Lawrence is not a great prospect because I really like Trevor Lawrence. But this idea that he is the next he is the next best player ever is just not fair to him. It's not fair to Herbert to con- to compare him to LeBron to Cleveland or all this stuff. It it's not fair because he's got limitations too. He's got inconsistencies. Every player does, but Justin Fields, I think, very well could overtake him, especially if uh, Trevor Lawrence does not get more consistent this season. He did not. He should should have put up Justin Fields' numbers, plus some. He should have put up close to Joe Burrow's numbers, but he didn't. He put up Justin Herbert's numbers, who was at a... Bad supporting cast, a very, very rebuilding school. I think they're finally there with Mario Cristobal, but I don't think that they're that they're still, you know, a total contender. Uh, so I, Ju- Justin Fields had fifty-one touchdowns to three interceptions. That's not that's not realistic. That that's just insane. He never turns the ball over. His vision and his mechanics are just, they're borderline perfect. Justin, Justin Fields is Kyler Murray and Cam Newton merged. He, he's my number one quarterback right now. We'll see how the player runs out. But these are the two best teams, by the way, in college football next year. LSU's down the dumpster because they lost everybody. Alabama and Georgia are going to struggle. A lot of SEC. I think that SEC is wide open for teams like Florida, maybe even my Kentucky Wildcats, you know? 
They were 10-3 and three the year before. Laws are starting quarterback to injuries. He's back. Um, Florida's a team that did not lose a ton. Auburn's a team that lost a lot in the trenches but didn't lose a lot of skill positions. Got a young, got a promising young quarterback, so I think the, they're going to be fun. So Ohio State is clearly the best team uh, in the Big Ten and clearly one of the, one of the top two in college football. And Clemson, as always is clearly the best, and they are going to be one of the two best teams. I think you'll see these two in the national championship, and I think you'll get to really see a head-to-head matchup, which one's better, and I think they'll both be healthy, and we're going to have a great battle at the top next year. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Her- and Justin Herbert are very similar, and that's a good thing, by the way. But the fact that they look similar, but Lawrence actually has much better surroundings, makes me wonder how contrasted the media is to itself when we pick a guy to overhype. This is not good for Trevor Lawrence, but he will fight through it. But if, if we can get people to just kind of say, whoa, whoa, guys, watch. Make your own decisions. Think for a little while. It will help him to really be able to prove he's the best Rather than people just saying he's the best. Okay, with that, bring in our newsman, Jacob Justice. Without further ado, Jacob Justice with the news. Okay, so quarterback Cam Newton is over a month in the free agency, and the former MVP is still unsigned. However, he's looking for – he said he's willing to take a backup job in the NFL. Yeah, um, I don't get this. You and I have talked before that we think, you know, we, we think he's, he's waiting for the right opportunity. But saying you're willing to be a backup does not help that. And also, teams don't want Cam Newton as a backup. There's too much spotlight when Cam is around to have him as a backup. So um, I don't get the point of letting this news leak. I think that means that the market is just way, way lower than he ever expected. Okay, the Saints have parted ways with three-time Pro Bowl guard Larry Warford earlier. Warford has been a seven-year starter and a three-time Pro Bowler. Um, listen, I, I don't like I don't like the move for the Saints. I don't know why you would release a um, a veteran prime guard, but there are a couple teams uh, in LA and Cincinnati that have rookie quarterbacks, have skill positions all over the place, and you know the only weakness is really their offensive line. So for Cincinnati and L.A. with Herbert and Burrow, that's right now I'm on the phone with uh, Larry Warford's agent right now. Hope the Bengals, hopefully, and they make that correct move and sign him. That line that, definitely needs it. Yes, they do. And I think that would – you've got you've – got ta- at that point, you'd have a tackle in Jonah Williams and a guard, and then your offensive line is more stable throughout the year. So – uh, don't get why the Saints did it, but uh, it's whatever. So The NBA is very cautiously laying out a detailed plan to possibly resume play in late June. The plan includes no fans, two mutual locations, and very strict layout of team travel and facilities and strict testing. Um, we The NBA has just been so scared and living in fear with this virus that I, I, don't, I don't see it happening because – there's no way you can get every team on board. Adam Silver cannot get every player, every team, and do this without being stern. He, he, he doesn't know how to approach the owners, doesn't know how to approach the players. Um, he gets bullied by the owners sometimes. So I, I'm afraid this is not going to be able to happen because until we settle down, like, you know, Roger Goodell said, okay, you know, we can't do it live, but we are going to do it virtually. And he's saying, okay, we're going to keep the calendar open. And we're going to watch because it is getting better. Adam Silver is not doing that and is reacting, has reacted horribly to this whole pandemic. So um, I, th- I think the NBA is, is, um, is playing this way too, sa- way too safe. The NFL season schedule was released on Thursday. The season will open on September 10th with the Texans at the Chiefs. Other notable week one games is Joe Burrow's debut in Cincinnati against L.A. and Brady versus Breeze on Sunday night football. Uh, I 
I cannot wait for Brady versus Breeze. Um, Texans at the Chiefs, I don't love being the opener because the Texans typically come out flat in the beginning of the year, and they've lost so much, and they've had such a bad offseason. And the Chiefs usually come out good at the beginning of the year, and they've had a great offseason. So um, I just – I don't – you know, I think that could be a, a blowout opener. But um, Joe Burrow against L.A., I don't like that being week one because I was hoping to see Burrow Herbert. I don't know that the Chargers are smart enough to play Herbert from week one, even if he is ready uh, in training camp. So, But Brady versus Brady is going to be fantastic. Um, two guys now in a division. The, the, literally the two best passers of all time, statistically. Brady and Breeze. One and two career passing yards. Brady and Breeze, one and two career touchdowns. It'll be it'll be a great game. It really will. I'm really excited to see that Joe Burrow debut. I'm as a Bengals fan, I'm personally excited to see if the hype lives up behind Joe Burrow. Yeah, and the the Bengals got a rough schedule at the beginning, but um, it flattens out in the middle. So I, I you know, I, I told you there's going to be one game where they get whacked and then they're going to improve, and that's that's exactly what the schedule shows. Okay, the NCAA is having conflicting views on whether or not we will have a college football season. Um, again, it's it's so early, and things are getting better, and things are reopening, and it's just, it's so it's way too early to do this. Like Oregon has banned sporting events, the governor of Oregon, through through September. That's that's ridiculously early to ban stuff like that. Uh, you and I are big college football fans. We love our we love our Kentucky, and we also love um, just wa- just enjoying college football in big marquee matchups. Um, I, I I really think that the teams are smart enough to know that not only do we does this need to happen to get things back on track, but this needs to happen for us to make money. Um, college football for places is by far one of the biggest selling points they have. So I think we will have a college football season. I don't think all teams will participate, but I do think we will have a college football season. I read something online that the SEC has 20 different contingency plans for their season. Yeah, the Power Five conferences are not shutting down because there's too much money involved in it. And at this point, I don't think it's warranted. We need to slow down on things that are happening in September because right now we can't see right now we can't see what's happening. I think we're going to have a I think we're going to have a football season and I think around fall this will be just kind of part of our lives. It won't be near as scary. So I, th- I think we're really going to be back to normal um by football season. We might just see conferences just play each other. Like, I read one of the SEC's contingency plans is all the SEC teams just play each other, and then they'll go to Atlanta and crown a champion. Listen, that might be that, that maybe what they have to do. But, again, w- putting contingency plans in place is a great idea. But, you know, again, I use the NFL as, as the marquee right now because they have all these contingency plans in the back. But what they said is we are going to have – Right now, we have all the info we need. We plan to have a 256-game season with fans in the stadiums if they so choose to. And I think college football is cautiously taking that same approach. So um, I think I think we're getting close to sports being back. I really do. Do you think that with everybody coming up with contingency plans, this is going to start a culture in the major sports with them like always having a backup plan? for all these different events. I, I, well, I, that's what I think this entire thing has taught the country. I think we've been sitting here and although it's starting to look like maybe we didn't need to shut down every, you know, you can say what you want, but it does show that one day if, if we were to have a, a war or something uh, or another virus like this, get out, we can, we can make it through it. That's what this has really, that's one positive we can take. The sports leagues will have contingencies. Schools will have contingencies. So, um, you know, we may look at the history textbooks and go, wow, this is, this is just a remarkable idea of overreaction. But 
then the next time it may be, wow, that saved us from a, from something much worse later because we learned how to deal with it in this. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's a great point. JJ Mania with the news. That's his name, by the way. That's what you, so that's what we're going to start calling Newsman JJ Mania. Thank you for having me, Evan. You're welcome. Always have you. So um, we're going to skip into this. Without learning from history, as humans, we are doomed to repeat it. The fall of the Roman Empire. There have been many other empires that have fallen before that and after. You got all that stuff. So without learning, we don't adjust. And it always comes back to bite us. Well, in the draft, 15 years ago, the Green Bay Packers had a quarterback who was a bit of a hothead, a bit of a personality, weird personality. Everybody, people liked him. Actually, he had a funny guy, but he was sensitive and he always wanted to be the best. No one's had a chip on his shoulder. They went and they drafted this hot shot kid from Cal who everybody said had, you know, the next, the, the best arm. That was Aaron Rodgers. Favre plays a couple more seasons. Favre leaves. Aaron Rodgers takes over. 15 years later, let's get to the draft. The 2020 virtual draft. The Packers have a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers who is cocky, confident, arrogant, and pretty prickly to deal with. You know, and he's, he's, he's sensitive. And they go and they draft a quarterback in the first round. So, now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing for Green Bay. I think the history that wasn't learned from was Aaron Rodgers. Aaron, Brett Favre treated Aaron Rodgers horribly. It was, it was terrible. But Aaron Rodgers could have looked at this situation with Jordan Love and said, listen, kid, I'm not going to let you beat me, but I'm going to teach you all I know because you are going to be the face of the franchise and I'm older. That's not what he did. He's come out and he's been very cryptic, very... So here's what's going to happen. In 2021... Rodgers is completely free to leave. He'll be the Packers quarterback in 2020, and I believe he'll be the quarterback in 2021, but I think it could. But they owe him no money after that, so they can get rid of him easily. So I am ninety. So I am 100% positive Aaron Rodgers will end up playing his final seasons in a different uniform. So... Instead of debating whether that's a good choice or whatever, I'm going to give you my top spots and why for Aaron Rodgers to become, uh, to finish his career. Number one, as you know, I'm going to start from the bottom. I'm going to start with, with the place that he's not. It won't happen, but I think it would make sense. The LA Rams. Jared Goff's their guy, I know. But two years from now, I think you know the Rams are predicted to finish last in my in my um, NFC West standings. So I think that you know if they have two bad years with Goff and they feel like they need to rebuild, maybe even McVay's gone or left or something. L.A. cool kid Aaron Rodgers on the market. Get rid of you know give Goff to somebody else with that big contract if he's not working out. It's possible. Don't think it'll happen. But Rodgers, L.A. new stadium. Um, if McVay's still there, strong, heavy, crazy good coach, offensive mind, very pro player minded with quarterbacks, they'd be all in. Number four, the New England Patriots. Now, see, I everybody's like, oh no, you know that would be the end of no, it wouldn't. Bill Belichick is a prickly, difficult personality. Aaron Rodgers is a prickly, difficult personality. That would not clash. Um, Aaron Rodgers wants to do things his way, and Bill likes it when you do things his way, and their ways are probably not the same. But I do think it would help, and they're going to have a quarterback vacancy. I think they will solve it next year um, some way, somehow. 
But I, I definitely think I, – I, listen, I think Stidham may be the guy there. I don't know. But um, this year I think he's going to struggle because of that division stuff. But uh, Jarrett Stidham may be the guy for them. I don't know. There's a lot of positive things being said behind closed doors. So – but, it, I mean, it would make sense. Great coach. But one thing uh, New England doesn't do is give their quarterbacks weapons. That's what Rodgers wants. So that's going to be my fourth option. My third option, the Las Vegas Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders would be, can you imagine Aaron Rodgers and John Gruden, Mike Mayock in Vegas? That'd be a blast. In that division, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Drew Locke, Aaron Rodgers as the quarterbacks. Dude, that'd be, that would be just fantastic. But um, they, they've struggled to develop weapons, although I think Henry Ruggs, will, and, um, Henry Ruggs would be absolutely amazing with Aaron Rodgers. So, and they're not sold on Carr, and so what they might do is they might... Um, Carr starts this year, uh, fizzles out, they put Mariota in, they give Mariota a full bridge year. Because um, I don't think they're they're in position to get Tua or Fields. Not Tua, Trevor or Fields. Tua was this year. Yeah, they're definitely not in a position to do that. Um, uh, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. So I think that, you know, they'll probably... I think they really liked Mariota, so I think they'd give Mariota a shot next year. And then, if Aaron Rodgers is on the market, go get him. Now, I, there are concerns because... Uh, Aaron Rodgers wants to be the main guy. They're they're very eccentric, run heavy with Josh Jacobs, kind of an older style offense, and you know, I th- I feel like Rodgers could end up taking advantage of John Gruden and Mike Mayock because we saw how they were with, with Antonio Brown, and he even started to walk all over them. And Aaron Rodgers isn't as big of a head case, but he still is, you know, a lot to deal with. I think. Number two, the Chicago Bears. Exactly what Brett Favre did. Go to a team that I think Nick Foles will be their quarterback for the next two years because, again, um, you've got Trevor and Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields as your quarterbacks this year in the draft. Uh, there's, a, there's a kid from North Dakota State who might be there, but even he would be before the, the Bears, but – I don't love him yet. I think he's got all the talent, but um, his mechanics are completely off. Um, But he could go to Chicago, go into a division rival, the biggest Packers rival, go in, play Jordan Love twice a year, beat him, win a division. That's revenge. I think he'll be what? I think he'd be what, 38 that year, 38, 39? That'd be revenge, wouldn't it? That would be that Aaron Rodgers... um, The arrogance, the the sensitivity, that would be his... He would be naturally drawn there because of how badly he feels Green Bay's mistreated him through these last few drafts and free agencies. So, um, it would give you an opportunity... To beat your old team, go to a team that appreciates you with a, with a hot new coach, a young, inspiring coach. And, um, you know, we didn't think we'd see Brett Favre in a Minnesota Vikings uniform. And because of that, I think I really feel like Rodgers may do the same thing. Like we're almost doomed to repeat it at that point. But that is not my top landing spot for Aaron Rodgers. My number one landing spot for Aaron Rodgers is the San Francisco 49ers. Can't beat them, join them. <laughs> no, but I don't think they're sold on Jimmy Garoppolo. He'll have to have a great year, or they could be looking elsewhere. Um, around that same time, Rodgers would be on the market. But let's see how this, this story with Aaron Rodgers got started, this arc. California kid, loved the Niners growing up, grew up, went to Cal, 
became um, was supposed to be the number one pick, and they take Alex Smith. He was hurt by the 49ers. Goes to Green Bay, yeah, then the story goes from there. Well, what if the San Francisco 49ers say, we made a mistake? We know we can't do much to fix all the past years, but you've had your success, but let's mend it together now. End your career in the NFC, being able to face your former team with the team that you always loved growing up, your childhood team, and you know, forgive them and, and help them with beating Green Bay. Kyle Shanahan and Aaron Rodgers would be amazing. Um, Kyle Shanahan, by the way, does not want to run the smash mouth brand of basketball that he does. He wants to pass the ball. He's a quarterback guy. But he, he plays on what he has. But you'll have Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Jalen Hurd, and a couple other guys uh, that they'll probably get in between now and then. Great receiving core. It would be great for Aaron. Solid offensive line. And it would be one interesting story. Everything comes full circle for Aaron Rodgers, and he ends his career. Aaron Rodgers... Aaron Rodgers' career will be defined by how he handles this moment. Because we saw how he handled being the, the next great quarterback who was sitting behind the old quarterback. How will he handle being the old quarterback? Will he just say, listen, it's time for me to leave. You know, I'm going to go to the Raiders in the AFC. Uh, I'll see you. Uh, love you, Green Bay. Or will he go to a San Francisco or a Chicago and say, no, I'm going to get revenge for how you treated me and I'm going to beat you. And I'm going to – this will define Aaron Rodgers' legacy. 100%. So those are my top five landing spots for Aaron Rodgers if he were to uh, leave in 2021, which I think he will. Jordan Love is not there to sit for four years and then go somewhere else. He will be the quarterback of the Packers in two years. Okay, I'm going to give you my quarterback tiers. I have them separated into five separate tiers. Um, so I'll tell you the tier, and then I'll tell you the quarterbacks who are in it in a brief overview. So here we go. The under-review quarterback tiers. We're going to start at the top. The I call it the S-tier. This is for the legendary, the, the the absolute best going into this year, and that's Patrick Mahomes. <clears throat> There's no one in the same category. No one has the combination of brain, soul, and skill that Patrick Mahomes possesses. Uh, especially right now. Um, you know, if you, if you listen to his interviews, you hear... Um, how great the team is, and if the if it was a bad day, you know how how bad I was. It's never ever about him in the good, and it's never about anybody else during the bad. That's what I want in the quarterback. Um, I remember people were asking all about you know about being the best in the league, Super Bowl champion. Are you the next? And he said, "Listen, I just want to be the best Patrick Mahomes I can be." That's why he's so great because he wants to better himself every week. And he, he's, he's phenomenal. He's got the arm. Um, he's got the arm and he's got the brain. You know, uh, his rookie year he faced mostly zone and he learned how to torch that. But now this year, he's, you know, people played man and it, it stumped him for a week or two. I remember Detroit didn't look good for the first start because they played press man on him. Darius Slay was there. But he figured that one out and I – I there's besides if you really really microscope his game, find me something glaring that he needs to work on. Yeah, you can't. So that is my S legend tier. Patrick Mahomes and it's here by himself. Tier A. This is my elite class of quarterbacks. These are my guys who going into this year can put a team on their back and win through adversity. 
And those guys are Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson, and Aaron Rodgers. Now, I considered flipping Aaron Rodgers to the, to the tier below for a guy that uh, you'll hear next. But I think, you know, he did it last year. Um, Rodgers, maybe, I think he's got some proving to do this year. But, you know, he was still good with Adams and not a lot of help. So I think he'll be fine. Deshaun Watson, he got a lot of, there were a lot of injuries. Uh, Wolf Fuller was injured. Offensive line was bad. Defense was spotty all over the place. And he really, he's elevated that franchise every year they've had him. Carson Wentz. Now, I watched every snap that man took. Every single snap. And what he did was he stepped up at the end of the season as a leader and as a quarterback, and he made those guys into playmakers and got the Eagles to the playoffs. I remember um, a quote from Boston Scott said, he makes you feel like, you've, like, like, you're one, like you're the superstar here every day. He doesn't make you feel like an undrafted rookie. He doesn't make you feel like some guy who's coming in. He makes you feel like you are his guy no matter what, and he treats every guy in the room that way. And Miles Sanders always said, you know, that, that's, that's my guy, you know. That's everybody we want. Now, Jalen Hurts, not a threat. I think it'll be fun to watch him on the field. I think it's a good insurance policy. But he can win games virtually. You don't want to say by himself, but he can win games through adversity. Tom Brady, is he a little washed up? Maybe. Is he going to have a rough time adjusting to Tampa? Maybe. He's still Tom Brady. That team and that offense was probably the worst he'd ever had last year. Probably... Outside of the Eagles, injury riddled was probably the worst in the league. Um, they, they didn't have anybody. All their guys, even their talented guys, were bad. Like they they played bad last year. So, but no, Tom Brady with with what he has, he is going to have some games where maybe this is still uh, an uncharted team, and he is going to kill it, and he is going to show that he's still Tom Brady. Russell Wilson. Now, I considered putting Russell Wilson in the tier with Patrick Mahomes, but I don't think he's quite there yet. But he does. He lifts the Seahawks above mediocrity for year after year. Um, he's one of my favorite guys on and off the field. So he is. He's he's number two in the league by far. Number two easily. But he is. Uh, I don't think he's got quite just that everything all around that Mahomes has right now. And finally, Drew Brees. Drew Brees just, he's, he's carried the Saints, not for a season, he's carried them for years. Now they're finally getting the guys around him, but Drew Brees still has it. He's still got an arm, and, and he's still going to be just fine. Now we're going to go, now we're at our, our tier B, our third tier. And we are going to go with the guys who they've got all the potential and could be, and they can make plays but they need the stuff around them to go well to win. I'm going to lead it off Kyler Murray. Now, this is the guy I was telling you. I considered flipping him and Rodgers. I considered saying that Rodgers is more of a superstar and not an elite tier guy anymore and that Kyler Murray could. But I, need, I guess I need to see one more year from Kyler before I make that judgment. I think he is pro, he's my favorite bet for MVP this year. Because he's not really being favored. Like I saw Dak was like third. That's not, no. But, and I didn't even see Kyler Murray on the list. He's going to have a breakout year. Um, but he's just as athletic as Lamar. But he's a thousand times better thrower. And that's where I go. Now, that brings me to the next one. Lamar Jackson. I'm going to get a lot of blowback for this one. And I know it. I'm going to get... I'm just going to get roasted for this one. But Lamar Jackson is an elite athlete. He's one of the best athletes in the league. He is not an elite quarterback just yet. He's an average thrower of the football, and that puts him as a great and superstar player, but he is not an elite quarterback. And he proved in the playoffs that if you need to put the ball 60 to 80 times in his hands to win a game, he can't do it yet. 
I'm not sold on Lamar yet. I think we've really jumped the gun. He has to show me as a passer and going through injuries and adversity, which he didn't have last year. So I'm not sold on him yet. Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, Josh Allen, Jared Goff. Now, I put Josh Allen in the Lamar Jackson. Like, you see some plays running and passing with the big arm and uh, surprising athleticism. You go, man, that is a, that's a good quarterback. But then you see other players, you go, hi, no. It's not a great play. So I think Allen's still learning. I think he could make the jump to elite or could be at the very top of the superstar. Matt Stafford and Matt Ryan are guys who've been at the top of the league. Um, they're great quarterbacks, both of them. They make plays and they do things, but they're they just they're not the hot stuff anymore. Uh, there was the one year with Stafford, we thought he was doing so well, and then the uh, Matt Ryan MVP year. Both of those years are over. Both of those years are behind us. They're, you know, they're on the decline. Um, they're starting to need a lot of help and a lot. So, I put them in the superstar tier. Jared Goff. Jared Goff has had a has had an interesting career. Bumpy rookie season. High high incline second season. Awesome great third season building on that, and then takes a step back in his fourth season. Um, now, the Rams are having issues, but I think the Rams are going to struggle this year, and I think Goff's going to struggle this year, but I don't think he's done yet, and I think, I think you'll actually see more of that um, superstar be able to lift above what your team is because Goff has to, and I think he will answer the challenge. So that is my Tier B superstar tier. Tier C, these are your franchise guys or... Um, too young to tell. So I've got, as my as the franchise guys, I have Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, and Jimmy G. They'll get the job done. They'll make some great plays. Um, all three of them are franchise quarterbacks. None of them are $35 million quarterbacks, Dak. But they are good quarterbacks, and they, they are starters in the NFL. And they, are, and they are good, legitimate starters in the NFL. So, you know, Dak has had talent that should have elevated him into that elite tier, but he's never been there. Like, this year was uh, career high in interceptions and an 8-8 record. Just not good enough. Kirk Cousins had a great year, but I still, I will not, you know, if I have the option of any of the guys above or Kirk Cousins, I'm taking any of the guys above. That's why he's there. And Jimmy Garoppolo... Could have made the superstar tier, but after the Super Bowl, you know, the wide open play to Emmanuel Sanders that could have changed everything and he misses it, that shows me that, yes, you're a quarterback who can win games, but I can't trust you to make the big play yet. So the, And then there's the, there's the too young um, to know, but this I think that they will be this right away. Joe Burrow, uh, Herbert, and Tua. They are automatically in that franchise guy tier. Automatically. And I think, quite frankly, they could all be in that superstar tier next season. Because I think that, again, and I think people probably think I'm giving too much credit to rookie quarterbacks. I watched all of these guys. I've studied them immensely. All of them, including Justin Herbert, in their own way, have proved that they're all NFL ready and are the best option on their team. Then I've got Baker. I think Baker's going to make that jump. Uh, I think he's poised for a great year. I think he's been quieter and he's been more to the books. Uh, I think he's realized he's got to grow up and be mature. And I think he's glad he's got a, he's got a disciplinary in the room. I think he needs that, and he has it. So I think Baker's going to be up there. And Drew Locke is another one. I think he is a um, like a, a twenty seventeen Carson Wentz type candidate where they have a strong rookie year or coming off of an up-and-down rookie year and just explode the next season. And I think that's what Drew Locke does with this new offense. I think they're going to thrive together. Um, and this is going to be an elite offense for years to come. But right now, he's in that too young, still waiting to see tier. That's my tier C. Now, tier, tier D. I don't like calling it a D because I think that it's a little low. But this is my... 
mediocre or unproven. I need to see a little bit more from a young guy or you're just not up there. And that's I've got Ben Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers. Um, you're past your prime and you're past your post prime. You're in your your old mediocre days. That that's what you're in, and that's okay. Um, they're getting older. Eli already checked out. You made it longer than Eli. Congratulations. Don't run your career into the ground. Um, ben is a Hall of Famer, and Philip Rivers is a borderline Hall of Famer. Don't run it into the ground. Now, I think Philip will have a better year than Big Ben. Why? Philip Rivers has more players around him than Big Ben does. I think the Steelers are have potential to be a dumpster fire. But I also believe that um, Philip Rivers is still old. He's still got some. He's gonna have some judgment issues. He can't. His arm is starting to go away. He's not that same guy as he was a couple of years ago. So I definitely think that they are now in that. Um, that fifth tier of guys, that tier D. Now, I've got... So now on this, I have... Now I've got Teddy Bridgewater. Terry Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater, and Derek Carr. Carr, you could argue he's closer to Prescott Cousins and Jimmy G, but a lot of this is if I said, if I ask myself today, you give me the options, and I, you know, I'm taking all of those guys in tier C... Uh, over Derek Carr, John Gruden does it. He had one great year out of five, five to six. Uh, I think, yeah, this is year six for him. Year out of six that's just hasn't been that guy yet. He had one great year, and then he got injured, and he hasn't been back since. Um, I think he's going to get benched. And right behind him, I have Marcus Mariota. Because he is a starter. He's been a starter. I think he will get a chance to revive his career in Oakland. I think he'll do an all right job. Injuries have plagued him throughout his career. I still think Marcus Mariota has something to give to an NFL team. And I think we'll see that in Vegas. Uh, I got two young guys on here. I got Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold. Now, I love Daniel Jones. I think he's going to be a great player, but he had some really, really up-and-down moments, so I need to see one more year before bumping him up into that next tier. Right now, you're safer with a Dak Prescott or a Baker or a Joe Burrow or one of those guys. Now, Sam Darnold, has he's shown so much potential. I, there are some moments I think he kind of even looks like Peyton Manning. He has so much potential that made him the number three overall pick. But he hasn't acted on it yet. You know, the mono season and then the, you know, the bad coaches. And he's just got to do that one more thing, that better record, that better stat line to prove to me that he is in that conversation that to be the 100% franchise guy right now. And I can't promise you that he is. My last tier is Tier D, and these are guys that I am not ready to say are meant to be starters in the NFL. Ryan Tannehill is one. He's not a starter. He's a great backup. I think Tennessee suffers because of the Tannehill decision. He is not going to be able to last 16 games and get you to where you were last year. I don't think they're a playoff team with Tannehill starting 16 games. He's just too average. If you if you ask me today, Andy Dalton or Ryan Tannehill, I'm taking Andy Dalton. Joe Flacco or Ryan Tannehill? Joe Flacco. He doesn't have the arm. Not great accuracy and not a great athlete. Uh, Derrick Henry made him look so much better than he was. And even in those playoff games, the... The two they won, he was a non-factor. And then the one they lost, because he was a non-factor, they lost. Don't buy Ryan Tannehill. Just don't do it. Now, Gardner Minshew. I am not on Minshew mania. Not at all. Gardner Minshew was a fun prospect. His fun while lasted. He is not a franchise quarterback. He's a backup. And he's a good backup, but he is not a franchise guy. 
At this moment, I would have him as a backup, but I would take anyone else on this list. I would, you know, next year, if you're the Jaguars, who I have sitting at the number one pick, um, we'll discuss that in a second. Am I going to say, oh, you know, uh, Gardner Minshew's our guy from the sixth round, or I've got Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields available? What am I going to do? I would honestly argue Dobbs, Joshua Dobbs on his team is better. Is probably better for them to win. He had some he had some fun last year. There was some good time. I Gardner Minshew is not in it. He's not a starting quarterback in the NFL, and I'm sorry to say that, but he's not. Nick Foles, now this is one for me as an Eagles fan and an NFL fan, and Nick Foles is the biggest enigma in the NFL. No one knows it because if I, his best passing yardage game was north of 450 yards. I was there live to watch it. He broke the Eagles' single-game passing yards record. He, I mean, he was throwing everything he could. It was amazing. He threw some just beautiful passes. He had some legendary games. The Vikings game in the NFC Championship. The one against the Raiders with seven touchdowns. Um, in Jacksonville, when he got you know his first drive, there's not much to to um, you know show off there. But his first drive, he threw a beautiful ball in the back of the end zone, got hurt. But then there, are, but then there's the Ram years or some of the games in Philly early in the season where you go ah. So I don't know. I think in Chicago with Matt Nagy, he'll move up a tier or two. I really, really do. I think he'll win the starting job um, from the guy who's next on this in this tier. I think Nick Foles is going to win it, but I just I he, he is so much hot and cold with Foles. I need to see one consistent season to really have it. Trubisky, Haskins, both Trubisky. That's the one guy who I look at and go, I was wrong. I love Trubisky coming out. Thought it was a good move. I was incorrect, and I'm willing to admit that. He's had some good moments, and there's some where you go, yeah, that's a good. But there's just some of the bad moments are so bad. They were showing highlights the other day on NFL Network, and I'm watching, and he just, there's a guy just sitting there, and he just throws a floating duck up in the middle of the field and it gets picked off. It was ugly. So his bad outweighs the good. I think he gets beat out. Now, Dwayne Haskins, I think his max is tier C. I don't think he has a superstar arm. Throughout the draft process and throughout, I loved him coming off of Ohio State. And the more and more I saw, the farther and farther he fell, in my opinion, and the media's opinion. He was not ready last year. Drew Locke, Kyler, Daniel Jones were. It makes you look bad, but I don't know that he has the ability to read an NFL defense fast enough. At Ohio State, he, he even had some weird read issues there where he'd take a lot of check downs and stuff, but there's a lot of... Um, Room for error at Ohio State with your throws, and he, uh, he, and he used it. But in the NFL, you can't do that. And Washington's not a great team. I, I can't give Haskins any more credit than that. Uh, Fitzpatrick, he shouldn't really have to be on this list because I don't think he should have to start. But if he does, you get four games of Fitz Magic where everybody's flipping out. I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's probably the best backup and mentor besides a Josh McCown in the league. A great guy, fun guy, great locker room, great mentor. He just, he's only got four good games in him a year. <laughs> and that's a confirmed fact, I'm pretty sure. He's only got about four good, gr- he's only got about four good games in him a year. And that's about where we draw the line with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So let's stop. You know, he doesn't need to play. Tua needs to be the starter from day one if healthy. Last guy on this list is Mr. Jarrett Stidham. Now, I think the Patriots know something we don't. I liked Stidham at Auburn. 
I think he's got a shot, and I think he'll be nice. Uh, but I don't know. You just don't know about him. So I, I got to say, um, unproven, unknown, and put him in that final tier. So there is my quarterback tiers with Pat Mahomes leading the risk, leading the, the list. Patrick Mahomes leading. Then you got Breeze, Wilson, Brady, Wentz, Watson, Rogers, and the elite superstar, Murray, Jackson, Stafford, Ryan, Allen, Goff. And then you've got you guys below that. You've got your Prescott, your Jimmy G, your rookies, um, you know, your Big Bens and your Phillip Rivers, guys in that. And um, so those are my – and I will, I will update them every quarter of the season and give my final at the very end of the season. That's what I'm going to do. I can promise you I don't think that top tier is going to change or go away. Patrick Mahomes is here to stay. So that is our show today. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Be sure to text us or uh, tweet us out at, at underreviewsn on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we wish all the mothers a happy Mother's Day. Um, a little late because of school and some stuff. So it was initially supposed to be out on Friday. Didn't get it done because of... Um, some school and Mother's Day stuff, but glad we could get it done. We're going to start every week for the next eight weeks. We're going to take a division. We're going to break it down, and we're going to tell you the exact record with the schedule being out. Um, I'm so excited for the NFL season. I think it's going to happen. We hope to come to you from a couple of games live. Um, but seriously, thank you for your support. Um, to anyone listening, thank you. Uh, please share us. And um, uh, follow our sports pages for our thoughts um, that we will have under review. Thank you.